conclusion inevitable. It was a jump to conclusions, Matt. My conclusion was that this idea was not a practical deterrent. My only conclusion can be that it was a Sith Lord. In conclusion. Welcome back to In Conclusion, the only movie podcast where the worst possible outcome of your adult life is becoming a librarian. I am Dan O'Keefe, an actual future librarian, and joining me as always is Anna Otto. How are you, Anna? Well, I'm not a librarian, Dan, so I guess I'm doing better. So you're doing better than me. <laughs> I'm doing okay. <laughs> I'm okay. Oh, man. Also joining us today... From the depths of Pottersville, New York, <laughs> it's Joe Ferber. Hi, Joe. How are you? I am very excited to be here. Thank you for having me. You're Thank welcome. you for being here. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I'm, I'm the gracious one. And Anna's like, yeah, you should be thankful about yeah. being on here. Mm-hmm. 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 This is a privilege. Is it a is privilege. truly be, the highest honor. It can be taken away just as quickly as it was given. Hmm. <laughs> Sip that Halfway tea. What are you just drinking? Hear my audio t- like cut out. <laughs> Not sponsored. I'm drinking a blueberry pomegranate. Aha. Since Dan, did you not ask what I was drinking, or did I just tell you? For no, I did. Oh, okay. I did. I'm. I might cut out me asking though. No. So you just, Ugh. apropos of nothing, go, I'm drinking a blueberry. Aha. Mm-hmm. Aha. Sponsor us. I, I wish they would. I drink so many of these. Like, so many of these. I love sparkling water these days. I've really reached, like, this pandemic has really caused me to reach peak suburban mom. Like, so bad. <laughs> With my coach purse and my ahas and my oversized poncho sweater combos i look like i'm driving my suv i'm not a sparkling water spiced water kind i forgot what they're called well it's sparkling water what did you okay, say yeah i'm not uh, spiced water no joe what did you say they're kind of they're connoisseurs of the finer oh. things okay i thought you were roasting <laughs> i could not hear what you said and i was like if he's coming to roast Five minutes into this podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not yeah. into it. I don't like LaCroix, not a fan. Bubbly, don't like it. It's just not I not even a cherry. I mean, I'm a one? sugar No, I, I care way too much about sugar. Like if mm. I'm currently looking at a open box of sweet tarts right now, and this is literally <laughs> just sugar. Well, I so. ate a what was it? One of those fancy melt in your mouth chocolates. I don't know what they're called. Uh, all of them? A truffle? <laughs> <laughs> oh, a truffle. Yeah, okay. I just ate a truffle. Like the, that was pretty good. The Lindor truffle? Yes, it was a Lindor. Thank you. I wanted to say Ferrero Rocher, but I knew that wasn't right. Yeah, those don't melt in your mouth. Mm-hmm. Like, the whole point of that is like a crunch yeah, to it. Bleh. No, yeah. this was melt in your mouth. <laughs> Lindor truffle. Uh, speaking fanciest. of melt in your mouth... The movie we're talking about today features Melt in Your Mouth star Jimmy Stewart. It's not melt in my mouth. I just punched my microphone because I was so upset. No, I didn't. I was we're talking to about 
We're talking about Anna Otto's um, seventh Horcrux, where if you destroy it, she can finally die. It's it's a wonderful life. Please destroy it, please. <laughs> I'm begging. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, produced and directed by Frank Capra, based on the short story "The Greatest Gift" by Philip Van Doren Stern. Uh, not Van Doren, as in Charles Van Doren from the 1950s quiz show scandals, much to my <gasps> chagrin. Quiz show. Uh, quiz show. It, the movie starred uh, incredible sexy beast Jimmy Stewart. Oh, Dan. Um, <laughs> Tall drink also, of water, Jimmy yeah, Stewart. Yeah, absolutely. 38-year-old high schooler Jimmy oh, Stewart. Oh, I'm in yeah, He's the pain. tallest person in this movie by far, <laughs> yes. and no one comes close. <laughs> Uh, it also stars the love of my life, Donna Reed, who passed away 11 years before I was born, so just missed her. Um, Lionel Barrymore, Thomas Mitchell, Henry Travers, Beulah Bondi, Ward Bond, Frank Phelan, and Gloria Graham. It was released by RKO Radio Pictures on December 20th, 1946. It had a budget of $3.18 million and only made $3.3 million at the box office over its run. And on Rotten Tomatoes, the film has a rating of... I didn't scroll down far enough on the Wikipedia page to find where the reception is. Um, I thought you memorized this. Yeah, I thought I you were just reciting for a second. it, <laughs> No, I always just read the info yeah, box know. on Wikipedia. I know that's true, but like, Dan, you are so obsessed with this movie, I assumed maybe you just had it memorized. Yeah, no, it has a 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. A 94? Is that, are you saying that's too low or too, too high? high. <laughs> it's like the perfect movie. There's nothing wrong with you this movie other Joe than like on... a few key parts, but oh. <laughs> oh, okay. it's a flawless two hours and ten minutes Joe... of just Jimmy Stewart talking and questioning Everything. Everything. I love it. Let me just say, let me just so many hit you with some personal background story that Dan already knows about me. So, my first professional production in Milwaukee as an actress was a spoof of this show. <laughs> and I can't ever take it seriously again. Because, do you know how many of the lines were the exact same because the show makes fun of itself? Almost all of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's so the, whoever wrote this dialogue has never heard a human speak precisely and i love it i no, love especially it. has never heard a child speak no no because the <laughs> way yeah you the know way the that, classic child game <laughs> and the the way that like young jimmy stewart um talks to old man gower when old man gower tries to kill children i'm like this is a 45 year old man oh talking god right oh. oh no i love when he's talking to a to a violet uh and it's oh say bra- oh, no it's um uh, mary say uh-huh. brainless you haven't heard of coconut oh god i wish <laughs> see that was a line in this show so it's it well, makes so- fun of itself <laughs> The movie was actually written by three people. Frank Capra, who directed and produced it. Mm -hmm. Albert Hackett, who who was nominated for three, four Oscars for screenwriting. And Francis Goodrich, who is Albert Hackett's husband and partner, um, who won the Pulitzer Prize for Drama for The Diary of Anne Frank. Oh, Okay. Okay. So. Well, 
I give them. Yeah, so don't make fun of this dialogue. It's yeah. flawless. <laughs> it's too late. I'm already here. I uh, the second Buffalo Gals started playing, I was shot into fight or flight, Dan. <laughs> shot. I mean, this is a very fun show, let me be honest. I met Gage there, and, like, that was really fun, and it was a good experience. Mm -hmm. But I can't not roast It's a Wonderful Life now. Thank you. (laughs) But, Dan... What was the name of the parody? I don't think it had a name, because it was just under the brand. Like, the first half of the show was a bunch of Christmas skits, and then the second half was just Uh a spoof of It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, okay. So I don't think it had a specific name. I can't remember. Disappointing. My mom still has the playbill because, you know, now not one but two special people that she loves were in it. But I haven't looked at it. So Gage and who else? Just Gage. Gage twice. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, Joe, you've seen It's a Wonderful Life. You were telling me earlier. 22 times. At least 22 times. Every year of my life, pretty sure. Even the first, I don't remember it, but I'm I'm sure it was playing somewhere where I was in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, so w- was anything new to you on this watch, or was it just like I have this movie completely memorized? Uh, the, the most of it, I've I could just verbatim say, um, mm-hmm. but there were some things that I well, I was taking notes because I knew I would appear on this podcast. And there were some things I took down that I noticed, um, especially when there's they're flying through the town at the end where, uh, you know, it's Pottersville and everything's like topsy-turvy. There was mm-hmm. a bar that has fights every Wednesday. And I was just yeah. found that interesting. Someone celebrating their Wednesday, like going to a, a fight in the middle of this small <laughs> town in upstate New York. And I thought that was really funny. And the town has a strip club in it, but there was also a public library where Mary's working. That's like mm-hmm. a very... You know, it's two sides of the same coin. I, I, you gotta love Pottersville. Wait, when you say two sides of the same coin, are you saying that the strippers are the librarians? You can't have one without the other. Mm-hmm. Strip clubs, libraries, they go hand in hand. I mean, Danny, you're eventually you'll learn this. You know, working in the library, it's tough. I know. And... I mean, the two years that I worked in a library in high school, I had to fight off women taking off their clothes constantly i was like no no i'm a child i can't do this i can't save say this for the club i'm not surprised, in the library dan i can't say i'm surprised librarians are a hot commodity these days i'm trying to lock my door at the same time as continuing this podcast because my door accidentally just popped open because the winter warps the wood so that's why we just mm-hmm. took a little detour in case you were curious people who can't see i lifted my whole computer up and took it with me. Anyway, I just wanted to share with you what I was doing. The Winter Warps the Wood is my favorite Bon Iver album. Shut I hate you. <laughs> it does, though. <laughs> oh, I hate you. Uh, okay, on that note, let's get into the film. <laughs> it starts off with about 45 minutes of... Buffalo Gals. A still image of... <laughs> The stars. Yeah, it starts off with 45 minutes of Buffalo Gals. Buffalo Gals, won't you come out tonight? Come out tonight. Um, So it's the stars, and it turns out these aren't just stars. They're angels. Can I say something right off the bat? Sure, Joseph is kind of mean. (laughs) 
<laughs> like he was so mean to Clarence. I know Clarence is, you know, a few fries short of a happy meal, but he was extra mm-hmm. mean to him for no reason. What I don't understand is like what do they do? Like how so are all the stars angels? Like when you look at the star, like that there's trillions of angels. And then mm-hmm. what's the whole thing with like the wings? Like what do you get out of having wings if you're just a star? Where are you going? That's too deep. That's too deep. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just like, you know, they all help people in need on Earth. The wings are a metaphor because Clarence becomes the best angel he can be when he gets his wings, you know? I don't know. I think it's less of a realistic wings like you don't get wings don't sprout out of your back instead it's kind of like how a pilot gets his wings oh and once the stars get their wings shooting stars that's where they come from also i love how god and joseph were not singular stars they were clusters yeah but i think i mean we're gonna nitpick this first three thousand years worth of movie I also love when the star that's Clarence just clearly shoots across the street, ski, blah, 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 the screen. Shoots across the skeet? Yes. Shoots across the screen in a perfectly, I don't know, I just think it's so funny how they're just like, get Clarence, and all of a sudden the star just rolls Zoom, in. yeah. <laughs> he was, his star ear was on the star door outside and he fell through right when they said his name mm-hmm. he's like it's my time to shine pretty much and does he have like a star version of tom sawyer that he reads in his in like a star language <laughs> yes it's never explained where's the sequel it's a wonderful life extended universe oh god yeah what would the sequel be <laughs> it's a it's a clarence life it's a clarence life <laughs> it's like an eh, like <laughs> it's a pretty boring it's a life. It's fine. It's, oh, that's what know, it was called. Name. That's what the parody was called. It was called It's Fine? It was called It's a Life, I think. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what it was called. Uh, so, basically, the reason that they've called this Star Council to order is that there's a man on Earth that everybody is praying for, a man called George Bailey, that apparently needs help. Uh, so, instead of seeing current George Bailey who needs help, we decide to take a, a brief jaunt through his entire life story, mm-hmm. starting when he is 12 in the picturesque, small, upper New York town of Bedford Falls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just think that it is hysterical that it this is like considered like one of the best Christmas movies, like one of the most Christmassy Christmas movies. And you don't even know that it's Christmas Eve until like an hour and thirty minutes through the movie. Yeah. It never it never once sets it up. It's like, oh yeah, it's Christmas. Like where was that build up to, oh, okay, this is I should be watching this around Christmas. Mm-hmm. Like, even more than that, it's the Christmassy Christmas movie. The first two hours are just depression. Yeah. Oh, it's so sad. It spends the whole time just being the saddest movie it can for like a sliver of happiness. And it's just 
I was more like if you look at it proportionally, I was just sad for like two hours. <laughs> this movie really could be called This Could All Be Fixed If He Went to Therapy. Yeah, or if everyone in his life wasn't so like needy. Yeah, like true. Yeah. the whole the whole thing, I mean, we're skipping ahead a little bit, but the dad like gives him this talk of like, oh, he's gonna go see the world and that they're sitting down like before the high school party um that they're going to that like everyone in the town goes Mm -hmm. to for some reason um they're sitting down and he's like you know what that's fine son you know what you can go do things i'll just sit here and probably die tonight (laughs) it's just really like (laughs) let him live oh the guilt trip i'll just die right now yeah, it'd be a shame if this fun. was the last thing you ever said to me was, <laughs> oh, I'm going to leave you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Go have fun. Leave me. Fly around the world. It's not like I'm going to have a stroke in 30 minutes. Oh, That's God. not going to happen here. No siree. Um, so we we see 12-year-old George living his life. He's, he's sledding with his brother and his friends. Mm-hmm. His brother falls into the ice. George saves him, but as he does, he loses hearing in one of his ears due to a bad cold because... It's 1917, and that's what happens when you get cold. Can you imagine you lose part of your body? If I had a bad, if I had lost something every time I had a bad cold, I think I would have died by now. Like, mm-hmm. I, I had <laughs> enough bad colds in my life that I definitely would have no working ears, and my internal organs probably would have stopped functioning, and it would just be bad. <laughs> uh, we also see that young George works at the drugstore as an assistant to old man potter no gower old, old, old man, man gower, gower. Yes. Jenkins. <laughs> uh, but old man gower potter jenkins um is without realizing it actively trying to kill children well it's not his fault he's overwhelmed with grief he should not have opened the store that day but well, first of all, he was like super drunk, yes, wasn't he? Like that was he was like drinking yeah. in the back of his drugstore. Back then, and it he's was like, allowed. you know what? I'll just fill in these capsules, whatever. I'm surprised <laughs> he, he wasn't alcohol in them. To, like, yeah, he has the audacity to beat George Bailey for a mistake that he made. Yeah, not my sore oh. ear. <laughs> yeah, like, of course it's Mr. sore. Cowell, that's my bad ear. Like, of course it's sore. He just bludgeoned it. What do you mean, like? Wait, did you want him to hit your good ear? No. <laughs> uh, I love I love the sign that says like because he, he doesn't know what to do, and it's mm-hmm. like, Dad knows. It's like what were there signs like that like yeah. everywhere in the twenties? <laughs> so just go ask this guy. <laughs> oh. uh, yeah. So Mr. Gower beats young George. Um, also, we see young George's um, lovers little girls who who love him love him for life whisper into his bad ear sweet nothings mm-hmm. um george bailey i love you to the day you, the day i die <laughs> which if mr gower has any say in it will be today yeah it's like soon <laughs> and also what a huge commitment from like these like i'm assuming to like 10 year olds yeah like, you're not like you know like five people total in this small town and you're putting all your cards on george bailey Guy with one ear. I'm just having flashbacks to playing Violet, the whore friend, because all her lines were exactly the same. 
Yeah, it's never explained like what she does in the town. Like she's you the know, town whore. Mary was like a librarian. That yeah, is I, that in the credits? Yes. <laughs> we know what she does in Pottersville because she's getting like dragged out of the strip club, right? Yeah. Yes. Not in the so parody. Assume... In the parody, she was just a movie star because that was even a little too dark for the parody. But she does get shot Coward. in the parody, so. Ooh. That wasn't too dark. No. <laughs> uh, so we then flash forward a little bit to George's high school graduation party thing. Something? His yeah, brothers. Something like that. His brothers. His brothers' high school graduation. Yeah, George. He put off going to college for a little bit to help work with his dad at the savings and loan. Um, but they go to his brother's high school graduation party, which as uh, Joe said earlier, is attended by the whole town. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a big yeah. to-do. George Bailey graduated high school like four years ago. Blah, and fine. him and all of his friends just come back to the high school and just hang out and like dance yeah. with the high schoolers? That's weird. Maybe in the Are 20s me, Joe? We should be weird. doing that right now. Ew. We graduated from high school four years ago. Let's go dance with some high schoolers. You know what I yeah, like That'd be like if we went back girls. to the prom. It's weird. <laughs> and I love how like Harry's like, oh, can I bring some plates over? And they bring like their nice plates to this party. They're like, yeah, yeah. let's just bring our. I miss that. I want to bring like my entire family's set of plates to every party. I'd be worried somebody <laughs> would steal my china. <laughs> I brought flatware. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank goodness. Dan is here with the forks. <laughs> it's never established when they get the plates, but it seems like just so much work. I don't know. But yeah, great scene. Yeah, so at this party, um, George, who is, I think canonically he's like 21 at the time, is played by Jimmy Stewart. Yeah, love who it. Who is 38 at the time. And there's no mm-hmm. effort to make him look younger. He's just, there he is. Yeah, I mean, he kind of looks like if I was playing a high schooler right now. Which is not because believable, Because even when Dan. I was a high schooler, I was not a believable high schooler. Um, you know who always will be a believable high schooler? Donna Reed, me. the love of my life. I was going to say me. I know. One day it'll flip. Never. You'll go from being a believable high schooler to being a believable middle schooler. Thanks, Dan. Thank You're you. You're going to Benjamin Button. People already think I'm a middle schooler when I don't have makeup on, so. Brag about it. I'm not bragging about it. I'm going to go cry. <laughs> Um, so George is reintroduced to the woman who will love him forever, Donna Reed, Mary Hatch. I love how you didn't say um, the woman he'll fall in love with. <laughs> no, he never oh, wants to kinda, get married. True, it's super And it's kind of iffy at that point, like, what his relationship with, uh, Violet is. Like, throughout the yeah. movie, you they know, never really say, like... I'm not trying to... It's kind of suspect. Like, if any woman wants to do her thing and, like, live her life, she should. However... What? I'm thinking of a way to put this that's going to not sound offensive, but I'm, you know, she's being passed around like a, like a blunt. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> but, you know, that was Violet, the best way you could come up with. trying to come up with something nicer. <laughs> Violet is very sexually free, I think. And I think she's yes. proud of who she is and she's not afraid of anything. And I love that about her. But I also think she'd sleep with your man's given the chance. You know what I mean? Like, 
One false yes. move. Well, doesn't even have to be a false move. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. You could be she's, right there. She's playing the angles. Miss Steal Your Man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so at at the dance, um, two pranksters they open the floor of the pool or of the gym. the gym floor where there's a pool. Well, hold on it. a minute. Hold on a minute. So okay. when Mary, so George walks up to Mary after being like forced to dance with her, and he's like, "Oh no, I don't want to do it." And then immediately is like, "Oh, I'll do this," and like insults this guy. He's like, "Why don't you go bother someone else?" And he, the guy doesn't even realize it. Um, yeah. And then he decides to to open the pool that every high school has underneath the gym floor. Mm-hmm. The whole pool that is sorry what? It's real. That still exists. Where? That's the pool, the pool underneath still... the gym at Beverly Hills High School. I would definitely go to that pool. I would definitely make... Like, you made a pilgrimage to the, the guy who made the peanuts. I would yeah. make a pilgrimage to the the pool from It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> and I'm sure they do tours where it's like, we'll open up the pool, give you some person to dance with, and then you'll fall in. That seems like a hazard, <laughs> like a law school... Like a risk, you know? You could be in the pool... Hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. You could fall in the pool and then somebody closes it back up and drown in there in like two seconds. You know? Because the wall, like, it's not like a little, like, thing over the, th- like, if you banged on those, like, walls, you they wouldn't hear no. you. It's, it's yeah. like cement. That's like that three feet thick. Yeah. Yeah. I just think that that's not safe, you know? That just doesn't strike me as a good idea, friends. I get it. It, it was a different time. It was innovative. There were the no time. building codes. You're right. They didn't you care. You can do whatever you want. The, the pool was I filled mean, with lead paint. Joe, if you want to, if you want to make a pilgrimage, that uh, that is basically the only set still left, because everything else was filmed on the RKO backlot, which was sold in the fifties, um, except for Mister Martini's house, which still exists. The, ho- the, like the house that it. he moves the the house that he moves out of, like from uh, from uh, the Potter's like slums. No, the house that they move into when George is building, whatever the name of the Bailey Town. But is that Bailey Estates oh, or whatever? He, he's like, here's the bread. For, may you always never know hunger or whatever, and then the yeah. wine and yeah. Wouldn't that just I be will. a person's house now, though? Or are you just gonna yes, stand outside somebody's house, <laughs> Dan? No, Dan. I would go and offer them wine and bread. Be like, here, may you never know hunger. It's like, we've heard this so many times. People come every day. <laughs> They'd be like, oh, again, throw it on the pile. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so after the dance, after the swim, I should say, the swim meet, um, George goes to drop Mary off at home, mm-hmm. um, which is right next to Mr. Potter's house. Because um, mm-hmm. he just likes to yell at people from his porch, which is Wait, honestly no, th- my that dream, is not that it? is a hundred percent not Mister Potter. Potter's I thought it a, was Potter's in a wheelchair, and this guy is just some uh, presumably Irish man who is sitting on his porch. Because this is one of the things I wrote down. He's sitting okay. on his porch, smoking a pipe on like what's probably like a Friday night, just enjoying his hat, like his time, and watching these teenagers, you know, fall in love. A little creepy. Hey, who am I to judge on how someone wants to spend their Friday? I mean, there was no reality TV back then. This was his version of The Bachelor, you know? That's all yeah, he's got. Exactly. Yeah, this and like... also, it's weird that the, the neighborhood 
has just like an abandoned house in it, and then like it's just normal houses. Well, I mean, it was a different time. But, like, there were no building codes. I I mean, like I I know I pass around like some abandoned houses from time to time now, but they're not like abandoned, abandoned. They're like foreclosed upon. <laughs> um. But, like, only one or two in my whole life. Like, it's not like I lived next door to one or anything. But, like, I've seen some around, you know? But they don't stay abandoned for long. Yeah. Like, people buy them and refinish them and blah, blah, blah. Because the bank sells them. Yeah, this... The house looks like pretty much every haunted house from Scooby-Doo ever. Yeah. And it is just falling apart. But, like, they're walking through this beautiful rose garden. And, like, yeah. it's, like, magical. And it's, like, oh, yeah, let's go throw a rock at that abandoned house that's just two feet away. <laughs> the flowers are well kept. Yeah. The ghost butler does his job, mm. but the family died in a fire 74 years ago. Ghost Jeeves. <laughs> uh, so, Mary loses her um, her robe. At some point, it's hiding behind the bushes. Mary. And she's like, George, George, give me my robe back, George. And he's like, well, maybe hmm. I could. Maybe I shouldn't. More things maybe that I didn't should. have to parody themselves. <laughs> yeah, didn't he offer? He's like, I could sell tickets. I'm like, he did, yeah. Sir, that's illegal. Sir, <laughs> that is prostitution. Well, not prostitution, but that's just not good. That's not a good idea, fam. He's a businessman. He's a. He's always thinking about... Pro- the next next move. He's a perv. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I mean, everybody in the 30s was a perv. Correct. I, I, I'm willing to stand on that. I'll I put mean, my name to that. Yes, they saw one ankle and they were like, wowee, and their glasses and their ooga and all that. Jazz. I mean, this was the time where you would like act, show off the pinup posters okay, that you have Okay, pinup girls people. are so hot. <laughs> like, let's just say right now, I spent my I spend a lot of my free time wishing I looked like a '30s pinup girl. That's for another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like its own separate podcast. Yeah, one where I talk yeah. about my shortcomings of my own body. Okay, anyway. <laughs> um, Anna, Dan, you already pay for therapy. Yes. We can't we can't have that and this show be therapy you have to pick one uh hello um <laughs> patrons if you pay money i will allow you to compliment me thank you make me feel better about myself and patrons if you give me money i'll send you feet pics dan ew but also <laughs> make sure you charge a lot for those oh they won't be mine they'll be other feet oh no I can't even feet promise that they'll be he's human. collected they'll be duck yeah. feet send out duck feet oh <gasps> Ooh. Duck feet are so cute. Anyway, speaking of duck feet, George's dad has a stroke and dies. <sighs> yes, out of nowhere. And, like, Harry's, like, just come back from the party and apparently has, like, picked up Uncle Billy on the way. Um, yeah. And it's like, oh, our dad just had a stroke. Gas. And he, like, notice how as soon as he sees witnesses to what he was doing to Mary, he's, like, immediately, like, yeah. <laughs> oh, the robe was there already. <laughs> uh... And nobody questions it. I mean, I know there's more important things to do, but still. So then more time passes. And George is... Well, the war happens. <laughs> the second great war. No. Uh, no. <coughs> well, it does. Passes, 
World War II is at some point in the future from that moment. Okay, but I think I skipped Isn't it World War One? So it... <laughs> George, <laughs> Lew- George Sir <laughs> Harry Bailey wins the Medal of Honor in both World War One and World War Two. Okay, um, no, uh, World War One, which he was, I think he was seven during. I but, don't you know. know. My timeline yeah. is messed up right now. <laughs> I'm confused. But the next scene, it cuts to um, so George is about to go to college because he, you know, did his time at oh, the old yeah. building alone. He's like what? It cuts to. Now? Yeah, yeah, he's like. Jimmy Stewart is as old as George Bailey is now. Yes. Um, so it's them in the boardroom and Potter's for some reason, the guy who hates the company the most has been elected to the board of this mm-hmm. company. Whoever let that happen, that seemed like a bad decision for the future of uh, Bailey. And although the only guy who wants to like close this business down, we we put him as like well, a very important person. Isn't part of it just because yeah. um, Mr. Potter's rich, isn't he? Like he's oh wealthy. yeah, he's, he owns most of the town. Yeah. yeah. Does that he's happen anymore? Like these small town? Is every small town owned by like? Is Northbrook, Illinois, owned by the uh, the Sandy Froom family? I was just gonna say Sandy Froom. Who um, is that? She's the, the village president. Oh. Okay. We don't have a mayor. She's the village president. Oh. Joe. The president. Yeah. The Electoral College of Northbrook elected her. <laughs> All the delegates from Meadowbrook, Greenbrier. Oh, goodness. My, hey, my lawsuits are still pending. Oh, my God. I'm trying to overturn that election. Fake um, elections. I, I don't think that that happens anymore, but well, you had company towns. Like, Pullman in Chicago was a company town. Celebration That's Florida is owned by Disney. It was. It's not anymore. Oh. They sold it in, like, 2007. Boo. Um my fact but brewing. disney yeah like epcot was supposed to be a town owned by disney i would live there of course in you Ep- would in epcot in the ball in the ball i am the ball <laughs> i assume the inside of the ball looks like the G- galactic federation from uh the prequels where it's just uh-huh. rows and rows of chairs going straight up <gasps> yes <laughs> i live there this is my home um well speaking of the galactic senate the board votes not to make mr potter the chairman of the board because if he does he'll just buy the company and take all their money literally mr Mm -hmm. burns that's probably mr burns is probably inspired by mr potter absolutely um so the board instead votes for george to be chairman of the board gasp gasp which means that he has to stay. Well, yeah, he, they wish him well. They're like, like we just want to say, like George put off like his European vacation for for you know to stay here and help us figure things out these last three months. And then they're like, good luck at college. Like you know, thank you for everything. Like we're so proud of you. Go out and like be something in the world. And he's not even out of the building before they're like, yeah. now wait a minute, <laughs> we're all gonna lose our jobs unless you stay. Okay. Yeah. Now not to be souring George's wish for adventure, but, like, isn't it kind of nice that he's already in, like, he's gotten this job in this business that his dad literally built and he can have this powerful job and, like, make lots of money and not have to worry about a thing and he can go on his vacation at a different time and just take his family with it. <sighs> well, he's not can making he, that. Though? That's the thing, is they're losing money. True. They're, he's making, like, $45 a week. Yeah, but um, wasn't that yeah. a lot? I don't know the conversion then. rate. I'm kidding. But well, the, so the job that um, 
later when Mr. Potter offers him a job, he offers him, I think it's $20,000 as his starting yeah, I, salary. I think, oh, I think yeah. it's like 300 like 50 a week, um, which goes out to something like that. Yeah, or the, no, which, the twenty thousand goes to to yeah, that number, yeah. Which today is about two hundred and forty thousand. Stop. Oh. <laughs> What's in? And George Bailey looks at that job and says, "I'll never stoop down to your level, Mister Potter." Catch me going, absolutely yes. Sign me up, sir. <laughs> Here we go, two hundred. If I didn't take that job, I think if I was George Bailey, my family would be like. You didn't? What? We could have never had to worry about a single thing again. We could be taking trips to wherever, whenever. Oh, man. I know it's not all about the money, but 2020 really did something to me financially. So Mm -hmm. The board never considers, like, Harry's already going to spend the next four years working at the building alone. Like, that was an agreement they had. And the board was never like, oh, yeah, let's just keep the one we have. Like, He's fine. No, they needed yeah. to ruin his like goals. Future. Yeah. yeah, maybe it's because they're still thinking of like the oh, the older son is the best son or like something like that. The prodigal son, you know, like that old timey belief that the older son should be the one to inherit everything and like screw all the other kids. The old timey belief from like the last four thousand years of monarchs. Yes, yes, <laughs> that's the one. <laughs> I mean. I'm the youngest. I shouldn't inherit anything. I'm the least deserving. I'm the shortest. <laughs> I'm a woman. As a woman, I'd like to inherit my parents' home once they choose to no longer live there. So let's get that going. But that's just me. Um, but as you were saying, they should have just stayed with Nick. As the song goes, if you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with. That's all they needed to do. It's all the board needed to do. Mm-hmm. Also, it's Uncle the, Billy. It's Ario Speedwagon. Thank you, Ario Uncle Speedwagon. Billy's worked there for, for just as long as yeah. you know, Mr. <laughs> Bailey did, presumably. He's been there for all of this. And they took one look at Mr. At Uncle Billy and they're like, no, this man, the, not, not, like, we might as well sell the pot. What an idiot. Yeah. I hate him. <laughs> what a moron that they keep around, like, still. Mm-hmm. Um, so. The war doesn't happen yet. Instead, a, a depressed George Bailey goes to see Mary, who has returned from college, and he's surprised by that. And he's like, "I thought you wanna, you wanna stayed in in New York City with all the other the other girls and gotten out of town." Uh, yeah, you wanna come back to this crummy little town? I was homesick yeah. for what? Your family? <laughs> Loser. Can't relate. <laughs> oh, and um, Mary gets a phone call from. Her suitor, whose name I can't remember. Their I'm friend, call him, right? Isn't it uh, their friend? Yeah, it's yeah. like Sam, Sam Ray, Bonad- Wainwright. Yeah. Sam, yeah. He's Sam Hall. Rayburn. Sam Way- Wainwright. Uh, yeah, Mr. Hee Haw. Oh, God. With, yeah. And you got to do the hands as Joe did. Hee Haw. <laughs> um, so she's waiting on a call for him, and he, she and he's like, Come, be my blushing bride, or Ew, whatever. Uh, I don't oh, really God, know. I hated that, Dan. <laughs> um, yeah, and instead, this causes George, who mere seconds earlier said, I never want to get married to anyone ever, to fall in love with Mary, and then they, oh, they get married. Like, they press, like, they're, they're, like, not even kissing. They're just, like, pressing cheeks. 
violently. Yeah, you couldn't kiss they look back so then. Comfortable. You couldn't kiss back then. It was too scandalous. <laughs> okay, um, is this the scene where Mary takes her... Oh, no, that's later on where she takes the record off the record player and smashes it. No, that's the scene. Okay, and she's, yeah. like, going all yeah. in, like... Her seduction is like, oh, I've painted this drawing of like this thing you mentioned offhand to me four years ago. And you remember that song we were singing? And you know how we haven't talked in four years? Like, I had this just already in the record player and like already Mm -hmm. on the easel for you. You want the moon? It worked. Lord above. Can you imagine how creepy that would be if someone that you knew in high school just knew mm-hmm. didn't like date or anything four years later like cross stitched something that you said to them at one point and you're like yeah so you're what saying the hell is this? i shouldn't have done that to woo gage did you know gage <laughs> in high school how do you know no, he went he lived in illinois just like both of you and everyone in my life <laughs> oh then we must have known him yeah Yes, All of course. Illinois Everyone from Illinois. <laughs> yeah. Um, so now it's time for George and Mary to get married. Uh, hot dog. George. Uh, hot dog, literally. Wait, I have something yes, to say. Anna, you have your hand raised. I forgot to mention this earlier, and it haunts me when I think of this movie, that there's characters named Bert and Ernie. And nobody yeah, that's here... where that's from. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought it just was a coincidence. <laughs> now I feel dumb. <laughs> oh, anyway, that just was something that came into my mind. And I was like, I didn't say that. And I uh, could not stop thinking about it and just wanted to mention it. I didn't know that that's where that came from. Wow. I learned yeah. something new. Okay. Press on. Mary and George just getting married. Bert- yeah. Just as Bert and Ernie are a couple in Sesame Street, yes. Bert mm-hmm. and Ernie are a couple in this movie. Oh, my God. I mm-hmm. love that. How progressive. It's implied. I, yeah. It's in the, the subtext. subtext of the subtext. They have to hit on Violet as she walks by just to make it look like they're straight passing. Exactly. Um, however, it, unfortunately, um, George and Mary get married on the exact day that the stock market crashes, apparently, because there yeah, is Black a bank Thursday. Run. What a nightmare. Black Thursday. And, and the next run of things that that goes bad for George Bailey. This guy gets married on like the worst day in American, like financial history. I mean, especially if you run a savings and loan. Yeah. (laughs) It's kind of weird to think about it, but somebody probably did in real life, you know, get married on that day. Mm -hmm. Isn't that statistically people? Yeah. People were, were having major life events on that day. Yeah, Someone quit their job that morning. Someone was like, you know what? I've had enough. I'm going to find my future. And then all of a sudden, all the money in America just burned. Oh, God. That's stressful to think about. I'm going to find my future. Well, it looks like my future is soup in a Hooverville. Yeah, literally. (laughs) Oh, God. Babies being born. People losing their jobs. Oh, God. And the, the only way that George can get enough money to give to these people who want basically all of their money back from him. He's like, I, I can't do that. Your, your money's in, in Greg's house yep. and Greg's money's in Dave's house and, and Dave's money's in, in my pants. And I, I can't do yep. that. Yep. He has to, he has to take his honeymoon money and personally give it out to the, 
members of the community to tide them over. And at the end of the day, all that the company has left is two dollars oh. that he hopes will multiply like rabbits. Mama dollar and Papa dollar. Amen. But here's the weird yeah. thing. So it's like established later when Potter offers him a job, he makes like forty five dollars a week. This man mm-hmm. has saved three thousand dollars for like a luxurious honeymoon. Where is that money coming from? That is a long time to save. Actually, I don't know. He's not eating. He's not drinking. He's not doing anything. You see how skinny he is. Yeah. He can't be he eating. He <laughs> <laughs> We don't see it, but dumpster diving was actually huge. his most performed pastime. It was huge back then. They all used to go back behind the old, ye old pick and save. And they used to, Kroger, for those of you who aren't from Wisconsin. And they used to oh, dumpster the dive. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, now it's time for the war. Wait, Yay. no, you're missing. You're missing one. I'm missing another scene. part. Oh yeah, I am. It's and the... it's only because I watch this movie when I close my eyes at night. Oh um, my god! It's when they so their honeymoon's canceled. Mary apparently like dips out mid financial crisis, like probably like the worst day in George Bailey's life, and like in most of the people in that room's life. And and Mary's like, you know what? I'm just gonna go decorate for a little bit. Me and then like. Yeah. This is the first time I cried watching this last night. Oh, no. They put on this, like, little, like, there's, like, rotisserie chickens going by the fire, mm-hmm. and, like, his friends are singing outside, and it, it just kind of warms your heart after mm-hmm. presumably, like, 45 minutes of just nothing but failure. Yeah. Yeah, she she decorates the old decrepit mansion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. into um their honeymoon hotel which is so cute it's very like, sweet it's cute i'll give with, you that much with the help of burton ernie who right when the camera pans past them start furiously making out. i mean i mean step. ernie kisses bird on the forehead i know and then he starts slowly moving down as the camera mm. moves past them. fades to black <laughs> Marvin Gaye comes on. (gasps) It's never explained why they have his music 20 years before he was performing. Bert and Ernie are time travelers. Anyway, can we go to war now? Yeah, and then another bright moment in George (laughs) Bailey's life. The worst worst conflict (laughs) in the history of the world. (laughs) Yeah, World War II. But George Bailey, he can't serve. He's got a bum ear. So instead, (laughs) every other man in Bedford Falls goes and serves. His brother gets the Medal of Honor. He's a war hero. Um, Another member of town serves in front of rear projection footage of soldiers climbing over a bunker. (laughs) It's a big to-do. That was Bert, actually. Bert is uh, serving in North Africa. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, It is a big to-do, as I assume in Bedford Falls, as everywhere else in America. I don't know. I was only four during World War II. <laughs> oh, Dan, uh, you are a thousand years old. I am. <laughs> I, I really wish I never said that I, like, that whoever listened to this podcast didn't actually know who I was, and I'd never told any personal details about myself, so they would have to figure out how old I am. <laughs> because based on anything that I like or a lot of things about me i am not 22 years old i am late 50s at the earliest i feel like it would be like (laughs) it could be like a dad and daughter podcast you know that's what the vibes we're giving Mm -hmm. right yeah you're sharing all these classics from your youth thanks dad (laughs) when i was your age 
Back when the TV only had three channels, oh, we had to watch whatever what was on. And you know what was always on? It's a Wonderful oh, Life. Oh, Dad. Anyway, <laughs> World War II. I'm going to go back to studying for the World War II test. Um, so George has to stay in America during the war. Because mm-hmm. of his ear. He's upset about that. He's like, I want to go join the war. Let's go to war. And everybody else is like, no. Jimmy Stewart in real life did serve in World War II. Really? I didn't know that. And he was like in the infantry. He was a uh, pilot during World War II. So he wasn't like a lot of the entertainers who served in the like entertainment corps. Stop talking about Elvis like that. (laughs) But um, so... He doesn't serve in the war, disappointingly. The war ends, um, and the savings and loan starts doing great. You know, they're making money. It's the biggest economic expansion in American history, in world history, post-World War II. Uh, Thanks, military-industrial complex. Always always a good thing there. Oh, my God. I feel like I'm back in high school here using terms. I don't remember what they mean, but I feel like I should. Um, when I say military-industrial complex, just picture Dick Cheney smiling. I can't. And that's uh, good. <laughs> that that's made me good scared. That, that made me very scared. I felt nervous. I had to call yeah. for an adult. <laughs> um, so it is now Christmas Eve, 1945. The town is ready to welcome George's brother back as a war hero. And uh, Uncle Billy has to go deposit $8,000 at the bank. On the same day, the bank inspector has come to the savings and loan, the government officer, to make sure that the bank is solvent. Um, and they're on planning Christmas Eve. A, I know, right? Why? Why would anyone to, do he, anything on Christmas Eve? But I guess that's just me. Again, second time I'm going to say that. I don't understand how these times work and how these people are just working on Christmas and Christmas Eve and uh, whatever. I mean... I was going to say this was before labor laws. It wasn't. This is after labor laws were introduced. So, like, there are weekends. Those exist now. That's good. So I would assume they also would have days off, but probably not not this man. Mm -mm. Um, So George's family, which includes his four kids, including Zuzu. I played Zuzu. um, I'm I'm so shocked. Stop. Be shocked. Um, they're decorating for a Christmas party that they're going to be having at their house, uh, which Mary has fixed up to be a very pretty old house mm-hmm. with a lot of wallpaper. It was probably not uh, cheap to fix that house up. Let's just a say a lot it. of a lot of wallpaper. It was, there was is it back then. That usually happens when like there are a lot of walls. Uh, it kind of goes one with the other. There is no wallpaper where I am currently. Well, that's not true. Oh, yeah. There's one piece of wallpaper behind the, like, right above the backsplash in our kitchen. And I'm like, this is, I could pull this off with my hand. Whoever put this in did not do a great <laughs> oh, job. God. I guess that's what ha- they did back in the day. They're, you know, they were so bored because there was no internet. You know, what else are we going to do? <laughs> well, what if just we just wallpaper put the paper kitchen. on everything? <laughs> I live across the street from a wallpaper store. <laughs> just in case you were curious, they still exist. It's thriving, actually. Thriving. People are stuck inside and more bored than ever. (laughs) Wallpaper's flying off the shelves. Mm -hmm. What's actually happening, it's not wallpaper. It's people are doing, like, accent walls. Yes. So they're just, like, taping up designs and then painting them. And then 
they're going to have to paint over these if they ever want to sell this house because nobody mm-hmm. wants an accent wall that's black and orange. Oh, zigzags on. I it. was on Zillow the other day and somebody was trying to sell a house that had a accent wall and it was a giant portrait of Michael Jackson. Sold. I, I'm looking yeah, it up I'm right sold. now. Smooth, I'm bidding. Smooth Criminal album, just in case anyone was curious. Yeah, the album you choose for that does does to like change how fast it's gonna. Yeah, no, sound. it was it was smooth criminal. Personally, I would have gone with Thriller. I want the. I yeah. would have chosen the one um, that the song Ben is from because the album cover is like Michael Jackson riding on top of a rat. But maybe that's just me. Um, anyways, Uncle Billy, he he goes down to the bank to deposit eight thousand dollars, but silly him, he sees mr potter there and for some reason when he's taunting mr potter uh he places the envelope of eight thousand dollars down on mr potter's paper and mr potter gets wheeled away and billy goes to deposit the money and the banker's like are you playing some kind of joke here billy there's no money here you forget something and then billy's like oh woe is me he goes back and the money's gone mr potter has it mr potter comes out he sees billy freaking out trying to find the money he leaves and mr potter's like never mind i'm gonna keep it mr potter is a huge (laughs) piece of work okay a piece Mm -hmm. of work yeah absolutely comical villain but i will say this is another thing i had at the moment uncle billy definitely has it coming he was really shoving it in mr potter's face like, oh, that couldn't mm-hmm. have been one of the Bailey boys, could it? It's like, had George gone there, he would have won two medals of honor. It's like, okay, you're asking a lot here. <laughs> yeah. I... Uncle Billy's kind of dumb. Like, he's just dumb yes. in so many ways. It took you an hour and a half into this no, movie to it figure didn't, that out. it didn't take me that long. It just took me that long to say it. Because I didn't, like, okay, a lot of things from my memories of watching this movie versus my memories of being in a in a parody of it that's very similar to the actual show, mm-hmm. it blends together a lot. So I couldn't remember if he was outwardly stupid in this movie or if he was outwardly stupid in just the play. He's just stupid in general. And yes. <sighs> also, it stresses me out. If you have $8,000, which is a lot of money now for just carrying around you shouldn't be acting all willy-nilly with it back then when it was even more money to be carrying around okay yeah what's the exchange what's the exchange rate what's eight thousand dollars today that's gotta be like i'm figuring out 50 grand Mm -hmm. so eight thousand dollars in 1945 go ahead joe i'll say it of a big reveal i love that also in the on the uncle billy character like on the day that the the market crashes, he like panics, locks like the building and loan, and it's just in there like drinking alone when George Bailey shows up. <laughs> like obviously not someone that you want at the like. I'm assuming he's the number two at the business of four employees. But <laughs> then they go back to the the house while they're looking for the money, and his house. This is another thing I noticed for the first time. It's filled with like random animals. He has like a squirrel, yeah. yes. like several like rabbits, like a raccoon, I think. Like it's it's just like a very odd thing that this guy like lives alone with all these forest creatures. Ew, I did not like that description. <laughs> he lives alone with all these forest creatures. I'm dead. So 
In the year 1945, $8,000 was worth $8,000. In the year 2020, uh, with a cumulative rate of 1,345.7% of inflation, um, that same item that was $8,000 would be $115,657.33. All right, now let's invest it. (laughs) Let's invest it in... In Apple stock, and then also we'll bet on the nineteen twelve Chicago White Sox. Lord. Right, but you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna bet on the Black Sox. <laughs> I've rigged the game; it can't go wrong. <laughs> Board above. Uh, I she so, was showing me. I know how it ends. Wait, how how the Black Sox scandal ends, <laughs> yeah. or how Shoeless Joe and me ends? Both, and I think they end very oppositely. I think Shoeless Joe like ends good for everyone. <laughs> like yeah. nothing happens. <laughs> Um, so Uncle Billy, he loses the money and the bank examiner, he's like, you're missing the money. And then George realizes, oh God, we're going to get sued or something. Whatever the bank examiner does, he's going to, mm-hmm. we're going to get he's examined. Going to jail. He's going to jail. Yeah. Oh. He's, he's going to get jail. examined so hard. Yeah. So they, they try to retrace Uncle Billy's steps to no avail, which means that George, Goes to Mr. Potter for a loan. A loan of his own uh, money also, that was stolen, but whatever. Yeah, also, before this, um, the savings and loan is doing great. Mm-hmm. They're building houses, they're sending out loans, they're giving out bread mm-hmm. and wine mm-hmm. at a house that you can still visit. It's in <laughs> Los Angeles County. Dan? I'm going. I'm going. I'm not going to tell you the exact address, but it's not difficult to find. Like, you could live there, right? You could. The people who will live I there would right buy now, that house. if you're listening, I'm sorry. On behalf of Dan and Joe, I'm sorry. I would buy that house and turn it into the bar. I would turn it into martinis. You'd turn place. it into martinis? Oh. Or would you yeah. turn it into Nick's, where everybody fights? Nick's seems, no offense to martinis, Nick's seems infinitely cooler. Oh my god. <laughs> it does, I want to yeah. go there. <laughs> The lawsuits are gonna start rolling in. <laughs> so they they can't retrace their steps. Um, so he goes to Mr. Potter for a loan. Um, he needs eight thousand dollars, but he only has five hundred dollars collateral on his life insurance policy. Uh, so I was half expecting Mr. Potter to be like, "Okay, I'll just kill you, then you'll get yeah. ten thousand dollars." Um, he doesn't. Yeah, do I that. could solve this problem for you real quick. <laughs> oh God! Here, lie down. I'll run over you. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wheel me, wheel me a little bit fast. <laughs> yeah, back me up so I can get a little oomph in my uh, yeah, little pep in my step. So for lack of a better. So term. Mr. Potter offers him a job at the the bank, where he'll get twenty thousand dollars. So that'll be enough to pay off the eight thousand dollars that he's missing. My dude, just take it, take that job yeah. for real. No, no, that was early. That was earlier when. He realizes this was before they lost the money. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah. Potter realizes that, oh, like, you know, the guy who's like super nice in letting people like build houses for like no money. They're taking up all the houses in the town. Who would have yeah. thought? And then he offers him like an absurd amount of money. And George Bailey, on no basis financially whatsoever, just says, no, I'm going to raise four kids on $45 a week. Old, <laughs> old. Back then, their paychecks were small, but their dreams were big. Yeah, I, th- I like, don't Uncle think Billy that he has a mortgage, asking though. For this. They, like, yeah. They're asking for some sort of fiscal ruin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think they have a mortgage. 
True. Who owned the house before them? True. Be honest, the I don't even know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> Lord above. Um, so since they can't get the money from Mr. Potter, well, George decides to go drink his problems away at Martini's, a bar not named after the drink, named after a man named Mr. Martini. Mm-hmm. It's an Italian restaurant. Um, it looks fine. He gets drunk. It just looks like a local restaurant, like Yeah. It's like a Chili's of the uh oh. the nineteen forties. <laughs> Martinis <laughs> equals nineteen forties chilies. Love that. Yeah, someone someone in the oh. back is ordering like the two for one margs. Oh. Mr. Martini <laughs> yeah. is rolling oh. over in his grave. <laughs> oh, it's God, fine, I'll my... live in his house. I'll make up for it. <laughs> my, my business is failing and I'm probably gonna go to jail. Well, better go to Applebee's. Yeah. <laughs> the only way to deal with this <laughs> yeah i think i would have done something similar you know get one last yeah. good microwaved meal out of the way before the end of times yeah before i <laughs> off myself off a bridge mm-hmm. yeah and i love how he gets in a fight with the with the teacher with the, uh, the teacher's yeah. husband too and mr martini goes to his age he's he's like you punched my best friend and i had no idea that was their relationship mr martini's yeah, right? best friend is george bailey what are they, what are they Martini, hanging out? Maybe Mr. Martini is one of those guys that's like, you're my best friend. And George is like, okay. And like, you know what yeah, I mean? Buddy. Like, he's like, sure, <laughs> sure I am. If you keep giving me free drinks, I'll be anything you want. Like, yeah. <laughs> so he just goes around telling people they're best friends. And George is in the background like, oh, I don't know about that, but okay. <laughs> Uh, I I skipped over the part that before George goes to get drunk, uh, he goes home to his family uh, and really just goes in hard for that divorce immediately. Uh, Oh, my God, all in. From all angles, berating the wife, berating the house, berating the kids. He didn't even want to get married. Each individual child. (laughs) Yeah, all of a sudden he realizes this. He's like, I didn't want any of you, like, to his kids. (laughs) Oh, no. They're in therapy now. Yeah. I know oh, it's fine. Um, they'll, they'll live. It was the 40s. It was a different time. Honestly, yeah. yeah the 40s. Was that was nice for like, back then. They're probably yeah. like, oh, daddy really does love me. Like, <laughs> he, he talked to me. He yelled at me. The louder he is, the more love he's giving. He didn't use my correct name, but, uh, you know. Yeah, I guarantee you Zuzu's name one. is definitely not Zuzu. Mm-hmm. And he forgot it. <laughs> yeah, who yeah. are you? Uh, Z- Zuzu, right? Sure, Dad. Sure, Jan. Ashley. (laughs) He called me Zuzu again today. That's the closest he's been yet to Stephanie. Pretty much. Someday he'll get there. Um, Also, Zuzu, she was given a flower, and she got a cold walking home because she didn't want to close her jacket and crush her flower. Um, Zuzu's struggle. Hashtag Zuzu's struggle. So he goes to see the flower and Zuzu gives it to him and some of the petals fall off and then she's like she's like fix it mm-hmm. fix it dad fix my flower paste it you have to paste it dad paste it, yeah, how old is she she's like uh, seven 15, she knows how flowers 19. work like she's like three <laughs> this is a right? surprise four twelve i really well, don't she is, know she's played by 38 year old jimmy stewart which makes it a little yeah confusing. <laughs> jimmy stewart plays both roles she's played by a 23 year old anna otto it's it kind of like the, the only reason the, the, the preface no, sorry, the, the, the thing that came before the Winklevoss twins. It was Jimmy Stewart playing <laughs> every one of the kids in It's a Wonderful Life. God, 
Um, the reason that I bring up Zuzu is because later when he realizes that it is a wonderful life, um, he pulls out the flower from his pocket and he goes, Zuzu's Petals, mm-hmm. which I would say would be my band name, but I'm definitely sure there is a band called Zuzu's Petals. There's a lot right? of things 100%. called Zuzu's Petals. There's um, several knitting patterns called Zuzu's Petals, oh. in case you were curious. Um, oh, Zuzu's Petals is an event florist in mm. Bridgeport in Chicago, right down the street from the Buffalo Wild Wings. Oh. And you, go, you go there and can I just get enough to fill the tiny pocket in my jeans? So when I realize life is wonderful, I can pull them out and be very happy. <laughs> yep. Uh, if you if you go to visit uh, Guaranteed Rate Field, where the White Sox play, um, I do only refer to it by its Christian name, Guaranteed Rate Field. It's you can find it name. with the, the big red down arrow from the highway. Uh, it's like five blocks west of that. You know, it's right over there. Zuzu's Petals. Visit today. Hey, Zuzu's Petals, are you looking for a sponsorship? <laughs> there's also one in Arkansas, and there's one in New York. Any of the following Zuzu's Petals, if you're looking for us <laughs> to sponsor someone, it's us. Um, so, a great transition from a sponsor plug. George goes to commit suicide. <laughs> yep. And this is where Clarence comes into play. Um, George goes to commit suicide by jumping off a bridge. Uh, So, of course, Clarence, figuring the only way he can stop him from doing that is jumps off a bridge, which then causes George to jump off a bridge. Yeah, like, I don't understand what... So how come jumping in to save someone is safer than just jumping in? Like, why is that save his life? So his head's first? Isn't that worse? I, th- I think so. I don't know. Maybe he would try to, like, belly flop. Um, so he saves Clarence, and more importantly, Clarence's copy of Tom Sawyer, um, which he keeps in his pocket at all times. Like all a, times. Gosh darn fool. Um, and they get pulled out by the bridge man. I think is who they get saved by the man. The, the man, man who's who... spending Christmas Eve in a shack next to a bridge for no. Yeah. It's never explained what his job is. No, and it's not like it's a drawbridge or anything. It's just a bridge. I guess enough people are like, like, it's it. Bedford Falls is so awful that enough people are just jumping <laughs> off this bridge. That this guy is like constantly busy enough where he's living there full time, waiting for people to jump. <laughs> Yeah, I just fish him back out. It, it's honest work, but it pays well. <laughs> Those life insurance policies, you know George Bailey's worth $15,000. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's worth a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, so George is like, man, I wish I'd never been born. And uh, Clarence is like, okay, I can do that. You want to see what it's like? Um the so, magical powers that they never had. How come How come they're not using those magical powers? It's like, oh, yeah, you know that $8,000? Like, we saw Mr. Potter have it. I saw yeah. your entire life. I watched him take the money. <laughs> and Clarence conveniently doesn't mention that at all. Yeah, never. No one mentions it. No one, like, even at the end, when it's everybody's doing a change of heart, nobody's like, hey, do you think Mr. Potter took the $8,000? Yeah, who was the other no. guy you talked to? Everyone saw uh, Bill, uh, like Uncle Billy talk to Mr. Potter, and conveniently he deposited 
exactly eight thousand dollars right after <laughs> I bet, you left. I bet he didn't deposit it. I bet he died with that clutch to his heart so that nobody could ever take it from him. Just eight thousand dollars in his cold little hands forever. That does fit. It really fits his it character does, yeah. arc from awful to awful. <laughs> of zero percent growth. Yeah. Dude, I love character arcs that are just straight flat lines. <laughs> flat lines. Maybe yeah, a it's dip more of, It's down. not an arc. It's more of a bridge. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> it's the bridge uh, from so, Potterville to Baileyville. That's it. Yeah. So George has never been born. So he goes to the bar again because he's like, oh, man, this is a really weird dream. I got to go. I got to go get my car. He goes to the bar. It's not martinis anymore. It's Nick's. Fights every Wednesday. Nick's. Nick's is a rowdy place. <laughs> it's a raucous it is, joint. It's popping. It's rowdy. I mean, um, objectively, it is like far more popular on Christmas Eve than Martini's place is. So it's kind of yeah. like capitalism. The better business will win. Yeah, but also it's supposed to be like, oh, the moral failings of this town. Everyone's at the bar on Christmas Eve instead of at home with their family praying the rosary like we all should be doing. Mm-hmm. Dan. Those are my plans. Hey, wait, is Joe okay, one of the maybe good Catholics I, on this podcast with excessive Catholic? Joe guilt? and I, I will, I will see you on the Christmas Zoom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, Joe and I, we, we see each other on Christmas Eve at uh, Our Lady of the Brook in. We North give a nice Brook. little nod to each other. Are you ready to kind of sing for the next hour? <laughs> yes, yeah, sir. Once Hark the Herald Angel Sing Gums, I am all in. But everything else, I'm kind of like, I'm here. <laughs> Faithful. Let me just ignore the next like eight verses that I don't know in, in Latin. Yeah. Do you know what my favorite part of Christmas Mass is? And I know it's only once every three years, but in my mind, it's every year. Um, it's when they do the homily, and it is the entire genealogy of Joseph's family. <laughs> amen. Oh my God. Amen. Amen. I say to you, am I right? <laughs> it is twenty straight minute. It's like. This is their Super Bowl. This is the church's prime time where everyone's mm-hmm. going and they waste a third of it just on names <laughs> that no one knows. I don't know. And my man. dad falls asleep every time. I, I think, love it. <laughs> I think my peak Catholic church moment, though, if I may be so bold, is to be the year to actually it's tied the year that I they're both Easter on Palm Sunday when we were reading about when they were reading something and it was, um, they're talking about Judas, but they called him Judeus Escargo. Loved that. Um, my other favorite is the time they were reading the passion of Christ and a woman started crying. <laughs> she was the one reading it. Um, I, I was like, ma'am, uh, you know, it, like he lives, <laughs> like he comes back. <laughs> Spoiler alert. You know how it ends. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I promise you he survives. Spoilers. Um, Speaking of survive. Yeah. So George gets kicked out of Nick's because he's trying to be all buddy, buddy with everyone. They're like, we have no idea who this man is. Mm-hmm. Also because Clarence orders mold wine. <laughs> okay. Which I, I was. I don't know I about you. I was drinking during that movie. I was drinking the mold wine. I was like, you know what? <laughs> I might as well enjoy it. I made a, a glass of mold wine for the movie. <laughs> you made one glass of a mold singular. Wine? <laughs> is that the kind of stuff that comes in like a barrel on a pirate ship? Yeah. Like that's the only thing yeah, I can picture. Yeah, that's a big. Pot. I'm pretty sure in our production, 
Clarence ordered like a Cosmo or something super super like I don't want to say effeminate because drinks shouldn't have a gender but effeminate mm-hmm. he orders like a sex on the beach yeah pretty much even though you know two of those and you could be on your butt you don't know Ugh. you're right I don't know it's not a grasshopper true the only thing that I a non-alcoholic grasshopper um, yeah so George he goes to get his car it's not there. It didn't actually crash into the tree. Uh, and then he decides to go for a quick little run uh, through downtown. He thought it was Bedford Falls, but now it is the party town capital of the world, neon city of the future, Pottersville. <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden, like, honestly, the town is better off without George Bailey because all of a sudden there's like a Las Vegas in upstate New York. Oh my God. Yeah. So we're just going to go ahead and say, yeah, get rid of George Bailey. It's better without him. Potterville forever. I've been anti, you know, George, everyone's too nice and everything bad happens to this one guy. I don't know. <laughs> Suspicious. Oh God. It, yeah. He's, he's the glutton for punishment. If he's gone, the pain gets spread around. So it's much more even. That's the reason why the town is flourishing. Yeah. Public library, strip clubs, uh, some place where people fight on Wednesday nights. Billiards. What, what more could you want? Yeah. Billiards. What more could you <laughs> want? Like it's kind of good for the small businesses. It's packed. On Christmas they Eve, are no bad. less. Oh, that's right. crazy. Um, like, I get it. Bedford Falls, it's a very picturesque, very um, what white people after World War II want uh, in mm-hmm. a town. Um, but Pottersville, it's got ladies. I you know what those ladies Christmas have? There. What do they have? Anna, what is that face that's barely in frame? Just you going, you know what Potterville has? Ladies. I hated that. <laughs> I genuinely hated that. And then I had flashbacks to playing Violet and such getting shot because Violet gets shot in Potterville the end. Thank you. Yeah. Violet gets shot. Oh no. Uh George goes to his home. It's still the it's still the burnt out house. Mm-hmm. Um and then He's like, Clarence, Clarence, where's my wife? Where's Mary? And he, he's like, she's just about to close up the library. That is the perfect impression of how he's talking. <laughs> she's about to close up the library. <laughs> so, jo- and, uh, that is the worst fate that could befall anyone in life, um, closing the library. Mm. Unless you are a librarian at the Northbrook Public Library. Do you want to know why? They relished closing whoever did the announcements it would be like on three minute increments they'd be like the library is closing in 15 minutes please come down to the checkout counter and check out and then once it got to like five minutes it's like the library is closing in five minutes leave that's it no pretense (laughs) wait oh man that's so relatable (laughs) i mean if you've ever closed at like a a library per se, or even like a retail store. There's no greater joy than being told by somebody that you can kick out whoever is in that store. No greater joy. At nine on the dot, Mm -hmm. the lights start going off. There is no hesitation on leaving that place. Oh yeah. We used to could you get trapped there? Like could someone get like stuck in the library overnight? I don't think so. I Uh, think people check in theory they could. Like if but, I don't know, one were inclined to just 
try to be trapped well, in the library? If you were trying, yeah. yeah. But if you were just oh, yeah, doing it all absolutely. willy-nilly, I don't think you could. Like, the lights would turn off and you'd be like, oh, crap, I gotta get out of here. Hmm. What? You know who, who does have to get out of there? Mary Bailey. Oh, Lord. Because this creepy man is chasing after her and yelling, you're my wife. Yeah, that would be scary to me, too. But the and townspeople... up. The townspeople kind of come together to stop George Bailey. And you kind they of do. see the, the real sense of community that Pottersville has. <laughs> Bedford Falls doesn't have that. <laughs> what we're saying is Pottersville is better. Is that the, I, the consensus opinion? I kind of think it is. <laughs> My mom ever uh, hears so, this, her heart will fall out of her chest. Yeah. <laughs> He's been taking the exact opposite message of the movie the whole time. <laughs> I've shown this to him how many times? Oh, no. Um, so, George, upon seeing his wife with her hair up and wearing glasses, that he can't take it anymore. He's like, I want to go back. I want to go back. Take me back. Let me live, Clarence. And Clarence is like, okay. So... Clarence lets him live, and George runs home, and he's like, "Oh, I'm alive! I'm I'm in love with life. I when it, every time it rains, it rains pennies from heaven. <gasps> it's snowing. My mouth's bleeding. My mouth's beating, Blurt. Yeah, <laughs> I can't petals. hear. Susan's petals. <laughs> um, he runs home. He his family's like, "Oh, good, Daddy's normal now. He <laughs> just had to get drunk." Yeah, I wasn't mean, that super weird? <laughs> no one yeah, mentions it, like, wait, we don't forgive you. That was tr- like very traumatizing. Daddy, you smell yeah. very pungent right now, but we love you. <laughs> <laughs> Daddy, why are you wet? And where's the car? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So the bank inspector comes and he's like, oh, I'm going to get arrested. Yay. But before that happens, well, the whole town comes by to give their money um, to George Bailey as a way to save him, as a way to say thank you, because he's such a good man, and he's helped the town out for as long as he has. He gets enough money. They There is somebody counting it, but I don't really know how you're counting all that money when it's just being placed into a fishbowl. Yeah, they dump, it, they dump the money into, like, a pile, because Mary, like, throws everything off the table. Um, they yeah. dump all the money down, and Uncle Billy's, like, trying to explain what happened, but, like... You can't even understand what he's saying. And there's this guy, like, when they're all singing, the guy's just sitting there, like, just, like, shaking his head and, like, crunching numbers and just throwing yeah. the money into another pile. Uh, could not be me. If I had to count money like that and everybody was making all that noise, I'd be like, everybody, shut up! I need to focus! <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, eventually, he has enough money. Even the bank inspector gives gives a little cash. Aw, thanks for inspecting your money, Very bank meekly. inspector. Um, Clarence gets his wings because a bell rings, and as Zuzu says, every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings, um, implying that all angels are male. And that's the end of the movie. It's a a wonderful life. Wait a gosh darn second. Let's go back to what you just said. I never even thought about that. I hate it. I don't want it. No, I I said the quote wrong. It's every time a bell rings, an angel gets its thank wings, you. not his. Yeah. Oh, thank goodness. Teach, I was teacher says. <laughs> teacher <laughs> says every time a bell rings, an angel. Yeah, gets which is like, what else are you learning in class? Like that seems like yeah. not useful information. Well, actually, I guess if angels are like, pr- like very concretely proven to be real, because the book is like 
still there at the end. It's not like he dreamed it. Like he has a copy of Tom Sawyer. Like maybe they are teaching the right things in that school. Maybe that teacher yeah. uh, also tried to take her life and um, had an encounter with the angel. And it's just, you know, teaching people things now. Also, isn't this the teacher who he yelled out on the phone and whose husband punched him in the face? Yep, one and the same. <laughs> I love it. But we're just I love this move movie. right past I, that. <laughs> yeah, I cry every single time. So I cry two times every single time I watch this movie. When Mary does the honeymoon in the the old house, uh, and then when everyone comes together, I just start ball. I was crying on my couch last night watching this. And I've seen it 22 times and it still gets me because it's literally two hours and nine minutes of like everything bad happening in this guy's life. And then like one mm-hmm. minute that doesn't even redeem all of it. It's like he's lived a very yeah. sad life. <laughs> he gets like one fun Christmas party and like a bunch of money. Yeah. Um, I, I was watching it earlier today. And when so when Clarence gets his wings, he's not there, but his copy of Tom Sawyer is. And on the inside, he's written a note uh, that says, no man's life is worthless as long as he has friends. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, the water Okay, works. that's a, it's that so is a sad. good quote. Let's just say that. That's a good quote. It is, it is true. I mean, it's like it, the movie holds up in that, like, you never feel this longing to, like, be Mr. Potter. Like, sure, all this money and stuff, but he's a huge curmudgeon. You, like mm-hmm. everyone hates him in the town and then like you know george bailey you see like he's just this good guy he's just lived his life by the book like he's always like been forced in these situations where he's had to help people and like it works out for him and it's just like it just moves you it's finally this guy gets one win among like 300 losses yeah um and, and it holds up just like from a watching it standpoint this holds up incredibly well like i know mm-hmm. that the dialogue no human being has ever said those lines those not sentences a single in real life. one damn Sen- sentimental hogwash is my favorite yeah <laughs> um but it works because it's it's uh it's stylized mm-hmm. so it, it's like a hyper it's like aaron sorkin style dialogue kind of but the 1940s version of it mm-hmm. yeah it, it is timeless but all the dot because all the dialogue like is equally ridiculous. Yeah. Well, now that we've said all these good things about it, Anna? It's too sappy, Dan. (laughs) That's all. I just think it's so sappy. And, like, normally I like sappy things, but it's sappy in a way that I just think is too much. And I just... Mm -hmm. I don't think any part of it is really happy. Like, I think it's just sad after sad after sad. And even at the end, it's still kind of sad. Like, it's just depressing to me. (laughs) I get it. I look, I think I I understand that. I think the world of people who know this movie are solely divided. Either you absolutely love it or you don't really care for it. And that Mm -hmm. there's no in between. Like, and I think I'm definitely on this. Like, my family never watched this movie around the holidays. Nobody in my family really cares for it. But and Gage doesn't really care for it either, but his his parents really love it. But, mm-hmm. mm, I don't know. Like, it just, it, it's not, it doesn't evoke those feelings. Like, you guys are talking about how it makes you cry. 
it doesn't make mm-hmm. me cry. Like, it, and I'm not saying a good mo- a movie has to make me cry for it to be good, but I just think as far as timeless pieces go, this isn't the one that I would say is my favorite timeless piece. Mm-hmm. I get it. I disagree, but I understand. I know you disagree. No, you're, you're just you're entitled yeah. to your wrong opinion. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Sit there in your wrongness and be wrong about it. Um, <laughs> some some trivia uh, about the movie uh, on the set. Donna Reed was challenged by Lionel Barrymore, who plays Mr. Potter, uh, to a cow milking contest. Amazing. I don't know why there was a cow on set. Uh, but yeah, what scene was that where they had a cow? Can I? Yeah, right? I don't know. I would love to have been a part of that. <laughs> um, this was... So Thomas Mitchell was considered for the role of Mr. Potter. He ended up playing Uncle Billy. I can't really see that. Would have been a very different movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, Frank Capra, uh, he says that Mary's fate in Pottersville, becoming an unmarried librarian. A fate worse than um, death, truly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he he admitted that didn't age too no. well. And he wished he gave her uh, uh, a more timeless bad fate dead I'm how about that yeah. yeah two eye patches <gasps> not yeah. two eye patches, two eye patches. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I will say anna back to your point mm-hmm. like so the movie initially wasn't very successful like it, I, I think it like yeah. lost like five hundred thousand dollars which at the time is like i don't know six billion in today's money <laughs> um because dollars. it didn't it didn't have that resonating factor like on its own mm-hmm. but i mm-hmm. think for me, and I don't know, I don't want to speak for Danny, but I've watched it every year with my family, and every year I know what happens, and like every year I have to watch like everything go bad in Bedford Falls, and like I sit there and I watch everything go good, and it's Christmas Eve, and then I realize like oh my god, like it's Christmas, and it's this kind of like family memory that I've shared because I make fun of all these lines like every single time, and I know the movie so well, and mm-hmm. it's like more meaningful to me because of that and i think i think it was like in the 60s or the 70s where the movie kind of blew up because a certain i can't remember what tv station was playing it but they would play it it nbc yeah nbc would play it on new year's eve every year and you know a lot of other families just happened to have this shared experience where they would just kind of watch it and i think that's where you get the divide of like you know did you like watch this a bunch and you know this movie so well, or you've seen it once and it's nothing special. Yeah. And the nothing mm-hmm. special crowd is like the initial people who watched it because at the time they'd, you know, they saw it and it was like, okay, like, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. I agree with you on that. And I, th- I think that part of the reason why it wasn't such a big success when it initially came out um, is because I, I mean, I wasn't there, so I, can't be sure of this, but I think that the story of um because this is immediately post World War II. This is nineteen forty seven. So the story, like the feeling of like loss and I guess like uselessness and helplessness 
may have resonated with a lot of people maybe too real Mm -hmm. at Mm -hmm. the time because adjusting back to civilian life and dealing with what we now call post-traumatic stress disorder what was then called uh, drink it off daddy and get back to the sawmill Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) being shell-shocked right wasn't that what they actually called it yeah Yeah. or like the the soldier's haze or something Mm um i think that might have been too close to home for a lot of people and they're like I don't want that. I want something that can take me out of this, mm-hmm. like Miracle on 34th Street, which came out around the same time as it. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's a tough one to compete with because that is like the definition yeah. of post-World War II escapism where it's like, you know what? Like, we're just not even going to acknowledge World War II. Everything's very happy versus like this movie. Like, there's a whole like 10-minute scene where everyone just goes to World War II. Like, that's like the whole thing. And it's not to say that mm-hmm. every movie has to have a happy ending. It's just this movie feels like it, like it's called It's a Wonderful Life, and it feels like it's building towards having a good ending, but it just doesn't mm-hmm. really for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just, blah. Um, what, but also kind of disproving my point, the most popular movie of the year um, was The Best Years of Our Lives, which is a drama about three Whoa. U.S. servicemen adjusting to civilian life coming home from World War oh. II. So maybe <laughs> my point opposite. was completely wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that one best picture and was the highest grossing movie of the year. So maybe I was wrong. It just didn't, it just didn't work for us. <laughs> That's okay, Dan. We can just pretend that you were correct. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, so as Joe said, that NBC would air became a big hit airing it it's because the movie accidentally became public domain in 1974 um so anybody could air it without having to pay copyright on it so like great we can air this movie for free on new on christmas eve and it'll be families will watch and that's when it had like its big explosion in popularity and became truly the christmas classic that it is Mm -hmm. um considered today um it the copyright was reestablished in the early 90s so we can't air it here (laughs) we're gonna finish this episode with the whole like just a audio performance of it (laughs) yeah Yeah. um some other trivia um i'm reading through this trivia list and i'm like i guess it's some of this is interesting jimmy stewart Um, was in the movie (gasps) gasp that that is um the movie was originally slated for a 1947 release um but when technicolor was unable to deliver prints for rko's 1946 release of sinbad the sailor the movie was released in 1946 despite having a 1947 copyright so that's interesting Mm. um when uncle billy drunkenly staggers away at the party and yells i'm all right off screen um that is coming from a stagehand dropping equipment and thomas mitchell the actor yelling that he was all right and the equipment did not drop on him (laughs) i love Um, the way he says it he's like i'm all right i'm all all right right." (laughs) that's actually really funny i like that yeah um Dalton Trumbull, Dalton Trumbo, Dorothy Parker, Mark Connolly, and Clifford Odets also all worked on the script. You may recognize Dalton Trumbo from the name Dalton Trumbo, and also that there's a movie 
about his life. He was blacklisted uh, in the 50s. Mm. Um, and the graveyard scene in Pottersville was supposed to be longer, um, where he would not have only found Harry's grave, which is his brother, but Martini, the bartender, um, and Martini's whole family. And what? the Martini family would have died when their house in the Potter's slum burned down because George wasn't there to move them out. Jesus Christ. Uh, that's, that, I feel like <laughs> they took that out because that's putting a lot on George. Or it's yeah. like, sure, you didn't save Harry, that's why he died. But it's like, oh, and now the Martinis are dead because you weren't there to move them out of their house? <laughs> that's We're mm-hmm. reaching at that point. We're reaching. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the movie... It ends with them singing Old Lang Syne, but the song that they sing before that is Hark the Herald Angels Sing, mm-hmm. which is also the song that is sung at the end of A Charlie Brown Christmas. Yeah, that I knew. Look at you. Look Thank at you. you. Um, Joe, before I ask the question that I ask everyone, do you have any final thoughts that you haven't said about the movie? Um, let's see. Uh, I noticed there was a parallel between, like, he dives in to save Harry at the beginning um, and then he dives in to save Clarence. Um, mm-hmm. In Mr. Potter's office, there's a bust of Napoleon uh, just hanging out. Um, and then <laughs> in the background of the Bailey family home, there is a framed picture of Abraham Lincoln. Uh, and those yeah. are my thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> Anna, what about you? Any more thoughts? I, too, have a framed photo of Abraham Lincoln in my home. No, not really. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I was going to say, if you can't see her, it is the entire back wall of her house. It's yeah, just... she was talking about the Michael Jackson accent <gasps> Stop. wall. Stop. I don't want people to know that was to me. mention <laughs> the Abraham Lincoln accent wall. Yes. That's all the walls. All my walls. No, I don't know. Um, Dan, it's your favorite movie at Christmas time. It, it's not my favorite movie. It's my favorite Christmas movie. That's what I meant. Um, Sorry, I should have specified. Yeah. But anyway, we have very different taste. That's it. Yes. I like you anyway. I'm, That's I'm, it. I'm, I'm far too sentimental for my own good. Which is weird because um, I feel like I'm the sentimental one in this friendship. I know. Hmm. Well, I'm sentimental for a time 50 years before I was born. True. I'm just sentimental. End of sentence. Yeah. Joe, who's your favorite actor or actress? Um, oh, jeez, that's a tough question. I'm gonna say with Jimmy Stewart, uh, <laughs> <in> <laughs> known for such films as It's a Wonderful Life and the one about Lou Gehrig. No, um, probably Leonardo DiCaprio. Okay, would this movie be better, worse, or the same? with Leonardo DiCaprio as George Bailey? Uh, I would say infinitely worse. I think the movie works because George Bailey, it, Jimmy Stewart is just like, he talks like George Bailey and George Bailey talks like Jimmy Stewart. It's just this weird mm-hmm. way of like, huh, yeah, maybe I sell <laughs> tickets. Very, like, very interesting. Constantly I, thinking. I think, <laughs> Yeah, and I think Leonardo DiCaprio couldn't, he doesn't have that, like, awkward, lanky swagger that was, like, cool in the 40s. Mm -hmm. And he wouldn't wear his 
pants up to his nipples like George does. Yeah, and another thought another thought I just had. No one in this movie should ever be cold because every man is in like four-piece suits and they are like <laughs> sheep's wool. Yep. The thickest yeah. wool you could find. I'm a Bill Bridges a mile long. No. <laughs> I love this movie. This is also my favorite Christmas movie and it's not even close. I love mm-hmm. this movie. Ugh. Um I, you were joking when you said that Jimmy Stewart was your favorite actor. Jimmy Stewart is actually my favorite actor. Really? So this movie is the same with Jimmy Stewart as George Bailey. <laughs> Doesn't change at all. Doesn't change at all. Probably. <laughs> uh, would The Wolf of Wall Street be better or worse or the same with Jimmy Stewart? I'd see it. Infinitely better. Infinitely oh better. Oh my god. <laughs> I would see that. I would watch that movie, I would watch that movie every Christmas. <laughs> um, do you want to know a fun story about that movie? When it came out, hang on. Sorry, I need to drink water. When it came out, my grandma saw it and she wrote me a postcard. And the only thing the postcard said was, Dear Anna, just saw Wolf of Wall Street. Bad movie. Love, Grandma. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. We need it. We need that postcard for posterity. I don't know if I have it anymore. She sent it to me when I was a freshman in college, which was a thousand years ago. Hello. Oh, oh. You what? guys are back. You I were think I didn't know you disappeared for a second. Oh. Yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> no, we're not done. Anna, you have a question that you need to answer. Would this movie be better, worse, or the same with Jonathan Taylor Thomas in it? As who? As, um, I, I would say as his brother. Harry. That would make the most sense. As Harry, yeah. No, as Nick, the bartender at Absolutely Martini's. better. Or Nick's. Better. As the guy <laughs> who pushes Mr. Potter's wheelchair. <laughs> I also played that character. <laughs> How many of these characters were? You're like, at this point, like, you have to 80% wear multiple hats. You gotta wear multiple How hats. How big was this cast? There were eight of us. <clears throat> oh my god, I'm so sorry. Hang on. Oh my gosh. I have like a dry spot in my throat. Did I disappear? Joe, I think you froze. Joe, we lost you. Ah. Oh. We can hear you. Okay, there you're back. Hi, welcome back. So, Joe, on a scale of one to five um, library science degrees, what would you give this movie? (laughs) 10. 10 on a scale yes. of 1 to 5? <laughs> there is nothing wrong with it. I have pointed out many flaws with this movie, but there is nothing wrong with this movie. Oh my it god. Is, from start to finish, like, I don't watch, like, movies, uh, like, second times. I've seen this movie 22 times. I can't get it off of it. Anna, what about you? Two. 1 to 5. 2 out of 5? God, you Grinch. I'm not- there's an actual library in the movie. How could it be two? Two. I am also giving this a five out of five because, of course, I am. Um, How can you not? Joe, thank you for being yeah, here. Thank, thank you, you for Joe. joining us on this ride. It's very fun. We'll have you back for The Wolf of Wall Street or something else in the future. <laughs> I would be more than honored. It has been an absolute pleasure to be on this show. I appreciate this. And God bless and Merry Christmas. Uh, now is your time to plug anything if you want to plug something a twitter account a a tiktok a twitch now's your Mm -hmm. time 
If anyone is looking to buy a GameCube copy of Spider-Man, oh my uh, god, <laughs> I'm listing it for three dollars on eBay. Uh, <laughs> I will accept offers. <laughs> Well, that's a good plug. Um, if you want to find the show on the internet and support us, you can. Please do. Um, on Facebook and Twitter at and in conclusion on Instagram at in conclusion podcast. Uh, you could support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash in conclusion. If you want to find me, I'm on Twitter at Dan O'Keefe 86 on Instagram at D-L-R-A-A-R. Um, and I think I'm in the Milwaukee Comics database. Oh! If you look up my name in there. I try to give a different final way to find me each time. So look me up in there. Uh, Anna, where could they find you? You can find me on Instagram at Prime 818 Or you can find me on Twitter at AutobotsRollOut. Capital O for auto, capital B for bots, capital R for roll, and the O in roll, and the O in out are zeros. Did you get that, Joe? Did you write that down? Uh... I've memorized the whole thing. Perfect. I think you already follow me on Twitter, actually. Mm-hmm. I, I, I try to follow everyone <laughs> related to the show. Also, let me plug, uh, I host a trivia show um, on Wednesday nights, uh, virtually. Um, it's called Slow it's called? Facts. It's called I Slow believed Facts. you. I believed every <laughs> single word coming out of your mouth. And I was like, does Dan know? And then he said slow. And I was like, does he's Dan a liar. Know? He's a liar. Yeah, every question you get an hour. You get an hour <laughs> per question. No. <laughs> you say it's a trivia show on Wednesday night. It goes through Friday. Oh yeah, God. Easily, and it's, I just it, we give you an hour so you change your answer at least a hundred times. Yup. <laughs> uh, we will be back next week. I don't know with what. It's gonna be after Christmas, so we're gonna be hungover. But we'll do something. Mm-hmm. So come back for that. If that's not a plug, I don't know what is. In the meantime, everybody stay safe. Have fun, wear a mask, Merry Christmas, bye-bye. They can get longer every single week. Okay, I'm done. So I bought Gage's slave Leia ornament because he's a nerd and, you know, but, um, her little spear was broken so I took it home to my parents to fix it and as my dad was fixing her, even though he remarked upon her nakedness and was reprimanding me for bringing something so vulgar into the home, um, her butt fell off. So then today, my dad glued her spear back on and glued her butt back on, but then my mom sent me a picture of just her head had also fallen off. So it turns out, if you are an owner of a 2005 Hallmark Slave Leia ornament, check the glue on that. It's probably not very good. Thank you, the end.